What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Elections in the Alameda County Board of Supervisor race for District 4 are taking place on March 5th. The Board of Supervisors is made up of five elected nonpartisan leaders who work as a regional governing body. The board's work includes appointing county officials, adopting an annual budget, and awarding all public works contracts, among other duties. The District 4 supervisor will represent portions of Pleasanton, Oakland, Castro Valley, and various unincorporated areas of the county. We'll hear from two candidates in the race today, starting with the incumbent, Nate Miley, who was first elected to the seat in the year 2000. Good morning, Nate. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Good morning. Thank you. Uh, Nate, you've been in the seat for 24 years now. What did you do before that and what got you into politics? Well, before that, I was fortunate enough to get elected to the Oakland City Council in 1990 and served on the Oakland City Council until 2000 when Mary King my predecessor on the Board of Supervisors uh, decided not to run. And so eight of us ran, and I was fortunate enough to get elected to the Board of Supervisors in 2000. Prior to being on the uh, Oakland City Council, I came to California as a Jesuit volunteer, working in the communities of uh, Oakland, knocking on doors, organizing people, uh, working on issues, trying to make City Hall responsive. I did that for a number of years, trained organizers all over the state, uh, and all over the country. And I also spent some time working for uh, the law firm of uh, Siegel, Freeman, and Yee as a law clerk. And I did some time uh, as an agent with uh, New York Life Insurance Company. Nate, over the last 24 years, what would you say your greatest accomplishments have been? What are you the most proud of? I, I, there are a number of uh, accomplishments and a lot of things that I feel uh, that I'm proud of, and I've had a very successful track record. But two things I would highlight would be in 2004, when I didn't have an opponent, I led the effort for the uh, board to put on the ballot uh, measure A, and that was a ballot measure to raise funding for our healthcare care um, industry here in Alameda County, and it was the central health care measure, and it needed a two-thirds a vote of the electorate to pass, and I led that effort and passed. And then I also led the effort to have it reauthorized um, about uh, eight years ago. And that uh, measure, Measure A, the essential health care measure, raises around more than $100 million annually. And to date, it's probably raised $2 billion uh, for our central health care services for the Alameda Health System, our federal and qualified clinics, other community-based organizations. So I think that was a real significant because it's very unique. Not many jurisdictions in the state have this type of measure in place. And then addition, additionally, I led the effort to have the Board of Supervisors pass the medication disposal ordinance where we took on the pharmaceutical industry to deal with um, medications, both over-the-counter and uh, prescription drugs. Um, often what happens is we all need these medications and when we don't know when we don't want them anymore we dispose of them improperly and I felt that through extended producer responsibility that was a role and responsibility that the pharmaceutical industry needed to take on so we passed an ordinance in I believe 2012 Um, we were sued and we went all by the pharmaceutical industry and we went all the way to the United States Supreme Court we won that um, 
case, and it became a national model. So those are two big highlights, but I've got other other things in terms of infrastructure in the unincorporated area and up in Measure D, uh, getting that amended in the um, uh, out in the Tri-Valley area uh, that I really, really, really would consider other significant accomplishments while on the Board of Supervisors. And if you are reelected, Nate Miley, what are your priorities uh, moving forward? Well, my priorities, first of all, would be affordable housing. I serve on the Bay Area Housing Finance Authority for the nine-county region. Uh, we're looking to put a, a bond measure on the ballot. It could potentially raise a billion dollars just for Alameda County and possibly $10 billion for the entire region. And with this bond measure, we would uh, be looking to produce more housing preserve the existing affordable housing, and then uh, work on in ensuring that people are not displaced from housing. Uh, this uh, measure uh, would e eclipse uh, the county's measure, which I helped to champion, Measure A1, where we raise about $600 million, and for every dollar leveraged uh, another $7 for affordable housing in Alameda County. So that that's one big thing. Then another important item that I would consider is uh, uh, the mental health crisis, uh, trying to move ahead with securing uh, all the funding we need to fully implement our forensic community health, uh, uh, mental health plan, so that we can have the uh, mental health services in the community, uh, which is very important, because I think the more mental health services we have in the community, the less likelihood it is that people who are suffering from mental illness would end up in uh, Santa Rita jail. Additionally, I'm working on uh, homelessness. I got the board to declare a homeless crisis uh, last year. I consider that extremely important. And even though the county has a $2.5 billion home together plan, and we've seen some significant uh, results under that plan, we still have people becoming homeless. And so it's important that we uh, have more resources to address it, as well as uh, more facilities. Uh, I also feel that transportation is is really huge and trying to bring Valley Link from San Joaquin County into Alameda County. It's a light rail system to get um, cars off of the Altamont so that we can reduce traffic congestion, improve air quality, uh, and thereby get at um, uh, greenhouse gases and uh, climate change. Uh, those are some of my major items, but I want to continue to deliver quality service in the unincorporated area, because it is, um, uh, if it were a city, it would be the fourth largest city in the county of 14 cities only. Oakland, Fremont, and Hayward would be larger. So that's very important to me uh, since the county serves as the, as the government. And then finally, uh, public safety. I just really feel we need to address this um, brazen and blatant um, uh, lawlessness, as I ca uh, call it, criminality that's occurring in our society that could bring that could bring down um, the whole quality of life in our society if we don't address um, uh, lawlessness. All right, Nate, I'm going to ask you for some details on some of the things you just talked about. A lot of times when we hear people say or elected people, elected officials say that they're going to increase affordable housing, that affordable isn't necessarily affordable um, for the folks who need it most. So what do you mean when you say affordable housing? Well, what I mean when I say affordable, we have uh, the arena numbers. That's our region housing allocation uh, needs um, that we have to uh, fulfill under state law. 
And in Alameda County, now I'm talking about just the unincorporated area because we don't control the arena numbers uh, and allocation for the uh, jurisdictions uh, other than uh, unincorporated area. We have to build closely, uh, close to 5,000 more housing units. It's about 4,700. And what we have uh, seen and from our analysis, we need to build extremely low income housing, we need to build low income housing, and we need to build moderate um, income housing. And so when I think of affordable, that's what I'm thinking of, making sure we can provide housing in all three of those um, categories. Uh, and when we think of moderate, I'm thinking about housing for uh, uh, first responders, teachers, uh, folks who work for community-based organizations. Um, that's, in my mind, affordable housing, uh, extremely low, extremely low, low income and moderate. All right, Nate, the Board of Supervisors, uh, Supervisor Malik, excuse me, the Board of Supervisors oversees the budget for Santa Rita Jail, which is one of the deadliest jails in the county with over 60 deaths there in just the last 10 years. There have been recent calls from community for an independent oversight committee. Where do you stand on that? I support independent oversight and Office of the Inspector General. Under Assembly Bill 1185, when that became a law, I and former Supervisor Richard Valle, who chaired our Public Safety Committee, and I serve on it, I've never chaired it, but I serve on it, um, I suggested to him that we bring forth um, um, an ordinance to have the board enact 1185. And uh, Supervisor Valle was leading that effort. I was uh, supporting him in leading that effort. We had a number of uh, community meetings uh, thoroughly throughout the county. Um, and um, uh, what is with 1185, the Office of the Inspector General and Oversight, uh, what has come down to be some critical concerns uh, that people are pushing for is independent counsel. At the moment, I don't support independent counsel. I support county counsel having that uh, responsibility and their firewall being established. But I've said to people, uh, after implementation of the ordinance for, uh, let's say, 18 months, I would like to have, has, have us review uh, the implementation of 1185 with oversight and office of the inspector general to determine how it's functioning and working. And if we need to amend it, then we'll do that. It's a lot easier to make an amendment to an ordinance than it is if it's a ballot measure when you'd have to take it back out to the electorate and try to get 50% um, uh, plus one to approve some type of change. What are the exceptions that you take with it being an independent oversight committee? Well, uh, county council has given us a confidential memorandum, which I'm not at uh, liberty to uh, disclose, but there, there is that um, aspect of what county council has advised us. But in addition, I've seen county council work to provide uh, independent um, uh, counsel um, in, in other situations. I believe in the past, um, not presently, but in the uh, uh, past, uh, the county council office provided uh, services to Alameda Health System prior to becoming Alameda Health System, and there was an effective firewall established there. So, I mean, having um, a firewall in a county council's office is not something that's, uh, I would say, unusual. It's, 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 it's a prescribed method that can be achieved, and that's uh, basically uh, a reason I want to pro uh, provide count county council that opportunity to do that. And once again, it's uh, it's also based on the uh, confidential memorandum we've received from county council. 
Supervisor Malley, I want to talk about mental health, uh, talk about that thread a little bit more. Santa Rita Jail also serves as one of the largest, and I'm saying this in air quotes, providers for mental health care in the county. It has not done such a great job. Uh, there, there was the 2021 report that I'm sure that you're aware of from the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division um, that said that the jail was violating the Constitution's 8th and 14th Amendment, which prohibit cruel and unusual punishment. Um, it also was violating the America's Disability Act, and it noted that the jail failed to provide prisoners with serious mental illness, including those um, who are suicidal, significant time outside of their cell, mental health treatment, therapy, or programming. You said that you were increasing mental health uh, care services in the community. What are the specifics of that? Well, the our staff has, through our behavioral uh, department, had established a number of years ago what they label a community forensic mental health uh, plan. It's, at that time, it was about $50 million. And maybe roughly $10 million or thereabouts is startup money, and the rest is ongoing. And uh, what that would do is provide more um, beds, more facilities, more clinicians, so that services could be rendered in the community as opposed to Santa Rita Jail. It would also set up a, a, a unit that could work with uh, law enforcement uh, to ensure that instead of an officer going out on a call, it would be cl clinicians that would be doing that. Also, a clinician could be um, uh, partnered with, a, with law enforcement. Uh, those would all be the aspects of the forensic mental health plan. The, the challenge has been, and it's been a frustration of mine, I tried to get the board, because I feel mental health is a crisis, uh, the board to utilize some of our reserves, our designation accounts, or even our escrow accounts to, uh, to, to fully fund it. And uh, the board, I, it takes two other votes, a total of three votes. Uh, I didn't have the votes on the board of supervisors on at least two occasions to make that happen. And that's been uh, a frustration of mine in terms of getting it fully implemented because our staff has acknowledged and supervisors understand that even once we fully funded, it, it's still going to take probably um, six months to a year to fully implement because we've got to bring on the staff and we're still having, you know, staffing challenges prior to uh, the pandemic, which was very, very uh, challenging just trying to make it through the pandemic. So that's what community mental health would do, provide more facilities, more staffing, uh, clinicians to work with law enforcement, um, peer support, uh, prevention, early intervention, and um, uh, those type of things, uh, more beds to ensure that we're having those services in the community as opposed to people having to end up in Santa Rita Jail. But if they do end up in Santa Rita Jail, as you pointed out, the lawsuit requires us and the law requires us to deliver services there um, that are quality. You also mentioned public safety. Um, you and I <laughs> um, have had conversations about what's happening, particularly in the city of Oakland. Um, you said you want to address what you're calling lawlessness. How would you, what are your proposals for that? Well, yeah, I know. Um, I think when I've had conversations with you in the past, I think we both agree we want to see safe communities, safe neighborhoods. It's just a question, how do we get there? And I feel fundamentally, first of all, we need to have a sufficient number of police officers because I do feel police serve as a deterrent um, to a lawless and criminal uh, behavior. And so I think that's the first step. And I do want to make sure that 
our police are doing their jobs constitutionally and professionally because I support President, former President Obama's 21st century policing with uh, police being guardians and the principles associated with 21st century policing. And if our law enforcement personnel are not doing their jobs uh, correctly or professionally and legally, then they need to be um, uh, prosecuted. Uh, and we need to make sure we don't have those type of officers uh, on, the, on the force carrying a badge and a gun. So that's the first ingredient, having sufficient number of uh, uh, police personnel. Secondly, uh, it's more than just law enforcement. We need to have prevention and intervention. We need to make sure we're fully funding preventive services. And under my leadership, the county adopted a comprehensive violence prevention plan uh, back in 2006. We have an Office of Violence Prevention through Public Health. It took a while for all of that to come about, for the county to recognize the importance of uh, of, of, of violence prevention in our public health department. And we provided funding for grants to go out for pub, for our violence prevention. That's important to be working upstream, to deal with the, the causes. But then if we need to have intervention because none of us have done everything right, but for the grace of God, go I. So it's important that if people do end up in trouble, there's intervention. And I uh, believe that through clinicians, um, our, our criminal justice system, both the DA, uh, the public defender, probation, the courts, et cetera, uh, certain diversion programs and intervention intervention type uh, services and programs can be provided to, um, uh, to folks who end up in the criminal justice system but need to have a second chance or a third chance, that sort of thing. And then finally, uh, the other aspect of the, the three-part equation, pre uh, prevention, intervention, is law enforcement. We need to make sure we have sufficient law enforcement. And I think part of the law enforcement piece is to make sure that we have laws on the books that help to protect uh, society. And I think Prop, for instance, Prop 47, I supported Prop 47, I voted for it, but I do feel there are aspects of Prop 47 that need to be reformed. It doesn't need to be repealed, it just needs to be reformed. So that's kind of what I see uh, in terms of um, uh, trying to address the blatant and lawless uh, criminal behavior that I, that, that I think we're experiencing in our society. Because I don't think everyone who's um, involved in some of this activity uh, are, uh, you know, are in need, let's put it that way. I think some folks are just taking advantage of situations and taking advantage of other people. Push you a little bit here, Supervisor Miley. In our, our last couple of minutes together, the sheriff's office has a current budget of approximately four hundred and twenty-nine point seven million dollars, seventeen hundred authorized positions, including in excess of a thousand sworn personnel. How much more money, and how many more cops? Well, the uh, I don't know if we need to have any more uh, deputies. What we do need to do is we need to fill all the positions. Uh, all law enforcement, as well as other parts of our society are experiencing uh, shortages. So we need to get all of our positions filled. And that was one reason I voted for more positions and more funding out of Santa Rita jail. So we can make sure we had adequate personnel so they, because morale was low, folks were working overtime, et cetera. They make mistakes so that we would have sufficient personnel there. And that's the fundamental responsibility of the sheriff's department. And under our new sheriff, Sheriff Sanchez, she's moving forward with plans of which I support that are looking to address that. So I don't feel we need to have more cops in uh, the church department where we need to see them more is like with OPD, for example, because I was on the city council and back then they were responding to over a million calls a year for service. And clearly uh, they're, uh, they're responding to a lot of calls now and we need a sufficient work uh, 
police force in Oakland. So I think uh, in terms of the sheriff's department, I think we're adequately staffed. We just need to get those positions fully uh, filled and uh, folks discharging their responsibilities uh, professionally. And if they aren't, they need to be out of the force. And if they've done something that's uh, illegal, they need to be prosecuted. All right, Supervisor Miley, we have to leave it there. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Thank you. That was the voice of Supervisor Nate Miley. He is the current Alameda County Supervisor representing District 4. He was first elected into that seat in the year 2000. Per the rules, we um, if we have to have everybody that is in the race on the air. We are now going to turn um, our conversation um, to Jennifer Ed Estine, who is running against Nate Miley for Alameda County Supervisor, again, representing District 4. For those who missed it, um, when I introduced Supervisor Miley, the Board of Supervisors is made up of five elected nonpartisan leaders who work as a regional governing body. The board's work includes appointing county officials, adopting an annual budget, and awarding all public works contracts, among other jobs. The District 4 Supervisor will represent portions of Pleasanton, Oakland, Castro Valley, and various unincorporated areas of the county. Good morning, Jennifer. How are you? Good morning, Ted. I'm doing well. How are you? I'm doing all right. Lots of stuff happening. Thank you so much for joining us this morning. Um, Jennifer, tell the listeners about yourself. Who are you? And prior to running to the seat for the seat, what, what did you do? Well, I am a psychiatric registered nurse and a public health nurse. I have been working in the public health department uh, in San Francisco for 14 years. The first five years in the psychiatric emergency room at San Francisco General Hospital. And since then, with folks who have severe and persistent mental illness. I've also served in my unincorporated community. I live in Ashland and I serve on our unincorporated town council for the last four years since that council was created. I was actually appointed to that position by Nate Miley because he trusts my leadership and I consider that a strong endorsement. And I, for the last three years, I've also <laughs> been serving on the Alameda Health System Board, which governs our four county hospitals has a $1.4 billion operating budget separate from the county and oversees our uh, 318 nursing home beds and several clinics. And that kind of expertise, along with uh, being a nurse, is why I think I'm ready for the Alameda County Board of Supervisors, which governs public health and mental health services in the county. We need real expertise in order to do the things that we heard Supervisor Miley say he's been trying to do since the year 2000. All right, let's let's tug on this mental health thread. I'm going to ask you some of the same questions that I asked Supervisor Miley. Um, the Board of Supervisors oversees the budget for the Santa Rita Jail, one of the deadliest jails in the county with over 60 deaths in just the last 10 years. There have been recent calls for from community for an independent oversight body. Where do you stand on that issue? I think we need oversight now. And the state of California gave us a mandate in the year 2021, three years ago, to go ahead and make the oversight body possible. And I think that Supervisor Miley has been uh, part of the reason we don't have oversight today. He said in your interview a few moments ago that he wants these officers to be operating constitutionally, but he's been delaying and delaying uh, the implementation of the oversight body. And I think it's actually quite unfortunate to hear that the county council issued a confidential memo explaining why they should be 
in charge of the oversight body. If it's confidential and the public can't get access, then how can you be providing independent oversight when everything the public is asking for is open sharing of information? You know, I hate to say, and I'm actually quite devastated to say, three days ago, someone died in our jail. They had been there for 28 hours. And just a few days before that, a new video was released in connection with the lawsuit after a woman was beaten by sheriff's deputies, first in a courthouse, then in a hospital bed in an emergency room where the doctor actually said, give her medical care. And the sheriff said, no, we're going to take her to jail. Then the doctor changed their order and said, okay, fine, no medical care. Y'all get out of here with your scary selves and your guns. Please leave my emergency room, even if this patient doesn't get care. I cannot think of a more egregious moment and a more necessary time to have independent oversight with an independent council that has subpoena power so that we can make all of these kinds of terrible acts public, so that we can scrutinize the issues, the protocols, and the procedures, so that we can make some new guidelines for how our law enforcement officers that are paid with our tax dollars do their jobs. The jail also serves as one of the largest providers for mental health care in the county. And as I stated in my interview with Supervisor Miley, has not done a good job, according to the U.S. Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. Jennifer, what would you do differently? How would you get the services our community needs? And how would you address the fact that there are so many folks with mental health issues? That's actually the majority of people that are sitting inside of Santa Rita Jail. They're either um, dealing with mental health issues, substance abuse issues, or they're poor. Right, right. And they're Black. When the yes. population of the counties uh, is dwindling in Black people, the population in the jail of Black people is increasing. And you know, contact with police can be problematic. In my work in psych emergency, one of the things that was always clear to me is that people continue to come back. It's a revolving door. The statistics actually for psych emergency here in Alameda County and in San Francisco are similar. 50% of the people who come through come again. And in our county, we arrest and jail 25,000 people every year. And half of those people only spend seven days or less in jail. So we have to remember that jail is not prison. People are coming back into the community and people need services and care in the community. What we have heard during the interview in the first half with Supervisor Miley is that there is a huge amount of money and effort being spent in the jail because the Department of Justice determined that we were not providing adequate care. The only correct solution is to provide care in the community where people are gonna spend the majority of their time and to have appropriately funded and staffed diversion services so that we can start to not just have a Band-Aid approach where someone spends a day or two in jail and then comes back out to the community to nothing, but instead we have adequate services to treat people in the community. And the county, according to the state constitution, has the mandate to provide mental health care. So we need to really live up to what we are supposed to be doing. Jennifer, none of us can deny or would deny, regardless of our political leanings, that there there has been an uptick uh, in, in, in violence, uh, particularly in the streets of Oakland, namely um, 
robberies and homicides. Um, the call, there's a law and order drum beat that always follows, you know, any big pushes by black folks uh, for liberation. So we're seeing a backlash to defund. We're seeing a backlash to the Black Lives Matter movement. And yet the issue does need to be addressed. I have my thoughts as an abolitionist about how to do that. What are yours? You know, I think it's really unfortunate that we have seen this uptick in crime. And I think, you know, nothing happens in a vacuum and nothing happens in isolation. Uh, I heard, I was really surprised actually hear Supervisor Miley say, first, I think we need more police. Then I think the jail is adequately staffed and we have enough deputies. Um, with a thousand sworn personnel, I think we have plenty. But I'm also surprised to hear that with that amount of staffing, he didn't offer help to Oakland. Why in the world has Oakland gone all the way to the governor's mansion to get highway patrol officers when we have a thousand sworn personnel right here in the county? That to me belies a disconnect and also some disingenuous speaking when we talk about what's possible because we need to be taking urgent action to solve these problems. And I also wanna go one step back to how some of these problems get created so part of the governor's plan is to really focus on the area around the airport and the Coliseum, Hagenberger. And I think what people are hearing is In-N-Out Burger closed, Denny's closed. But prior to that, in 2019, half of the Coliseum was owned by the city of Oakland and half of it was owned by the county. And what people are not actually saying is the Warriors left Oakland. The A's left Oakland and the Raiders left Oakland and abandoned that corridor. Now we don't have tax revenue from people flying in. We don't have hotel revenue. We don't have re restaurant tax revenue. We don't have tourism because the Coliseum was full of people 30 days out of the month. And now that is missing. So when we look at that entire corridor of quote unquote lawlessness, we have to ask, what happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Our incumbent, Nate Miley, sold the county's portion of the Coliseum to the billionaire owner of the A's. And then he thought that he was going to be able to get the city of Oakland to do the same thing at Howard Terminal. But the city said no. Unfortunately, it was too late because now the county has said we want to develop this land at the Coliseum into housing and the billionaire won't come to the table to negotiate. We cannot even develop this public land, this previously publicly owned land, because it was sold from us by the incumbent with no terms and conditions to force the billionaire to come and negotiate. I think that is a true sign of a failure of having vision, of poor business acumen, and a failure of leadership. And that is why some of this crime is happening now, especially in that area that has been abandoned by all of our professional sports teams and unfortunately abandoned by our incumbent. Jennifer, there's little to no data that shows that more police actually deter crime or stop crime. Police respond after the fact. They do not um, prevent it from happening. Um, do you support any alternatives to police to address the issues we are seeing um, on our streets? And if so, what are they? Yeah, I think we have to have alternatives. Um, you know, again, I'll refer back to my time in psych emergency when I would have law enforcement officers from all kinds of agencies coming through. We had the FBI come in. We had Homeland Security. We had 
uh, University of California police. And they were always saying, I don't understand why I am bringing this person to you when I really need to be out on the street doing my work. I think we have to absolutely have the right people who are trained to do work responding to social issues, responding to issues around people being unhoused, responding to mental health crises. And those people are not uniformed officers. They're not police. Police, if they had the time, I think would be able to potentially get to the place of uh, preventing and solving crime and responding to violence. But right now, they're doing a lot of work that isn't theirs, that they're not experts at. And, you know, with Oakland disp uh, 911 dispatch being so overwhelmed with the calls, we had an audit come out a few months ago. And I was really happy to see the results of the audit because it showed that 66% of the calls that are ca going in are non-urgent, non-violent, and don't require a police response. That means 66% of the work police are doing could be done by some other personnel who are trained to do that work better. And I think that was the aim of the macro program, which has not been fully staffed and not been fully funded and cannot do the, the work that it was designed to do. I foresee an ability for our county, especially under my leadership, with my expertise as a psychiatric nurse and as a leader of our health system, that we could bring in the personnel who can appropriately respond to issues that are social in nature, that are housing related and that are mental health related. And, you know, in addition to that, I also want to say that our neighbor, the city of Richmond, recently uh, announced that they have had huge successes because of their dedication to services and violence prevention. And that now they have the lowest murder rate ever in history, save for one year. So if we could just follow the model that we see in our neighbor, then we could have great success. And you know, I'm not saying that there's a one size fits all approach to crime, but I am saying that when two thirds of your resources are spent doing the work that you are not best at doing, you have to reevaluate. And that is where the county can be helpful, very helpful in partnering with our cities. There's 14 cities in this county, but Oakland clearly has a strong need. And our county has to be the adult in the room to say, I am stepping up to help. That's not happening right now with our incumbent who's been there for 24 years. Jennifer, as you noted earlier, um, housing is a, a huge issue. It's one of the largest issues facing Alameda County. Uh, the city of Oakland alone has over 8,000 unhoused people sleeping on the streets every single day. What are your plans to increase affordable housing in the county? Well, I think it has to be a multi-pronged approach. You know, I, I appreciate the BAFA bond that is potentially coming if voters say yes to it in November, because it could be a windfall. However, even if the voters say yes in November, we will not get the first bucket of funds, the first tranche of money until 2026. People are unhoused today. The first thing we need to do is make sure that people who are housed stay housed, and that requires stronger tenant protections. That's why, you know, yesterday the landlord lobby or over the weekend, the landlord lobby spent a lot of money to scare people because they're saying my views are too extreme. But actually, all I want to do is make sure people have care and housing. Um, so we have to make sure people can be protected in their homes. And last February, the incumbent actually voted against having stronger tenant protections, which led to a tsunami of evictions, hundreds of people being evicted every single day in this county, which is causing more and more homelessness. 
The other thing we have to do is make sure that we are um, helping people bridge the gap. You know, right now, uh, inflation last year was 8%. In this county, poverty actually increased by 9%, even greater than inflation. And people are struggling to make ends meet. Um, you can have a job and still not make enough money to pay the rent and buy food and have transit funds. Like it's just so hard. One of the things I would like to implement is a subsidy program for people according to their income levels. If you're somebody who is in need of assistance with your deposit on an apartment, I think the county can help to fill that gap. If you're somebody who is currently working and you wanna try to stabilize and buy a home, but coming up with down payment money is impossible, I think the county can help to fill that gap. And that can be the kind of thing that is actually a recruitment and retention incentive so that private employers and public employers can say, actually, if you wanna live in our county and work in our county, we're gonna give you a benefit. We just want you to stay for maybe 10 years or 20 years. That would make people feel good about being here, and it would also make them feel more dedicated to their community when they have the ability to say, the county helped me get my home. The county helped me stabilize. I'm dedicated to this. In addition to that, it would raise tax revenue because people play where they live. And right now, I think folks feel a little worried about whether or not they can stay. Uh, the UCSF put out a study last summer discussing the state of homelessness in California. And they were able to isolate the amount that caused people to become unhoused. And it was three to $500 a month. It's not a huge sum that the county would have to subsidize in order to fill the gaps for people. But I think it would be incredibly beneficial and it would solve some of the problems because everybody knows we have vacant units all over this county. But what we don't have is people's ability to cover the rent. And that's what the county can do. We, we lost a champion for poor people when Wilma Chan passed away suddenly. And I think that what I can help do is bring back a sensibility and a dedication to the people of our community who have less and who need some help. But right now, our county is not offering that helping hand. And unfortunately, that is exactly what we're supposed to provide. We're supposed to provide social services at the county, and we are falling short. Jennifer Esteen, air quality is also a very large issue for Alameda County. What are your plans for addressing environmental issues? Oh, yeah, this is a big deal. Well, the majority of the pollution that we experienced 70%, according to a county study, comes from air pollution. And the the district that I would be representing includes the ABNI foundry, which has had a long track record of polluting deep East Oakland. And because of that, we also see uh, asthma rates are three times higher for residents of East Oakland than other parts of the county. What I would love to do is take cars off the road because a lot of this pollution is also coming from cars. Um, and in order to do that, I would want to institute a huge uptick in the number of buses on the road, clean energy buses, um, because buses have a lot of different benefits. One, you can add buses quickly. They can go pretty much anywhere door to door. They have technology now where buses are completely um, emission free 
And they can go from the first mile to the last mile. And if we have an adequate number of buses, I think a thousand buses in the first year makes sense, then what we can do is make it more reliable, make it comfortable, make it faster. Um, but right now, the plan coming up AC Transit is actually to potentially diminish bus services, especially in the unincorporated community where I live, because we're not as densely populated and because people right now don't rely on buses. They are mainly driving in their cars as single occupants, and that's simply not healthy for us. Um, additionally, I happen to be a bicycle rider, and last fall I got into a terrible bike accident um, and, you know, I thought I had fractured my skull. Thank goodness I didn't. But I had a horrible concussion. And it's because we don't have protected bike lanes in this county. And I had to share the road with cars, buses and trucks and took a fall. And that could happen to any of us. There's certain areas of this county that are simply not safe for pedestrians and bicyclists, which means people then have to get in their cars. And I think in order for us to eliminate some of this pollution, we have to be willing to get people out of their cars. Jennifer Estine, another issue that is huge in the county is illegal dumping. How would you hold bad actors accountable, many of which are local and out-of-town businesses that see the flats of Oakland in particular as a dumping ground? Oh, illegal dumping is a huge issue, one which our incumbent actually hangs his hat on. And I think that the issue is something that hasn't really been solved, which is a, a hallmark of ineffectiveness. What I would like to see is for residential customers that we offer people, uh, you know, the county stipend program to cover the cost of dumping. Not everybody has a pickup truck and can make it down to the dump. Not everybody has the extra $350 that is needed to make a dump. Um, sometimes people cannot dispose of mattresses. And this is the kind of stuff we see in addition to like burned out cars, which is a whole other issue. But I think for residential customers, we have to offer people randomized regular pickups all over the county um, so that people can have an anticipation of, oh, on this corner, on this day of the week, I know that stuff will be picked up every time. Also, they, they need to know much more easily how to report uh, things when they see it. And I think the county has not done well at sharing that information in multiple languages and in multiple uh, venues. And I think we have to make sure that it is not a cost burden because, you know, when people are moving, when things are happening and people only have an option of throwing their stuff out on the street or sadly, if folks get evicted, that's often what happens. Their belongings get tossed out onto the street and then they have no place to put it. We have to start supporting people. Again, the county is uh, mandated to provide social services. And I think that this is one that is a public benefit and a public good, and it would not be hugely expensive for the county to make sure that it is no longer a burden for people to throw their garbage away. All right, Jennifer Estine, in the name of fair time, I've got to end it there. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Have a wonderful day. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask in the Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. 
Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. Bye.